Brighton Talk Sex, the sex education we never had at school. You're listening to Brighton Talk Sex. Sponsored by She Said Boutique, bringing to you the finest selection of designer lingerie, burlesque fashion, adult toys and erotica. Welcome to Brighton Talk Sex and today I'm with Lara who is having a conversation with us about reclaiming the power and innocence of our sexuality. Welcome Lara. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure to be with you. All sparkly in front of me. <laughs> so um, I would like to understand what you mean for some people the word sex and innocence don't seem to be in the same pot. Mm-hmm, so if you could elaborate please on yeah sure so I feel like we're living in a world in a society that is very hypersexualized, mm-hmm. and in that it's like our bodies are sexualized, our breath our sound our movement is sexualized. even just having connection with someone is sexualized generally and on top of that sex itself is really sexualized. and I would love for us to be living in a world where we could peel back layers and be able to allow ourselves to be more in presence and curiosity and natural flow and exploration in conjunction with our sexuality and um like as an example just in in the way that we move through life every day even the way we walk down the streets particularly um for women you know there's a lot of how much we've been sexualized and objectified has on many subconscious levels impacts the way we move just as we're walking there's a lot more contraction in our bodies than there would be if we to have never felt like we were being sexualized and objectified Mm. and so my longing is almost like to bring back just that like innocence of being able to walk down the streets and be in the joyful exquisite pleasure of just being able to move being in this body Mm. I don't really know if that particularly answered your question but that's just what was jumping into my mind in that moment it did I was like feeling that a naked body when a naked body may make many people think sex Mm -hmm. we equate nakedness to sex when actually naked body is very innocent so when you're saying that that's the image I had in my mind so you're saying that because everything's been so objectified that innocence isn't able to be present yeah and kind of in a way of how how it's impacted us in general in society and relationships is then connection touch nakedness Mm. intimacy are all isolated into monogamous relationships Mm. and puts this huge amount of pressure on people's not just their sexual need but we're human as humans we so desperately need and crave contact connection and touch Mm. but because it's been so sexualized it gets squashed into this place of it needing to be in relationship Mm. so then people are searching for relationships to get something which isn't necessarily even what they get um, in terms of like longing for connection and intimacy and touch and focusing on it being the only place we can get that is in relationship and squashing it into this place. So initiating sex to simply 
get the touch or the connection that we may need or yeah. want desire. and then not even necessarily getting the real need mm. met mm. but then what's happening is we're then as a society generally locked into these relationships where we're still craving connection intimacy and nour- nourishing touch mm. but because it's been sexualized it's being generally made wrong um for for you to have that in connection with others when you're in a relationship so there's this squashing and squashing that then creates these undercurrents of, um, oh, I can't quite think of the right word, but um, where our desires start to go underground and get distorted. Mm. And there's a lot of unclarity for a lot of people around what it is that they're really craving because there's all the filters of shaming and all the input that's come from parents and schools and media that distorts a lot of what's moving in our lives that can disconnect us from the truth of what's alive in us. I was just about to ask, does that mm. mean that actually we even lose connection with ourselves of what we want? And just to presume it may be sex. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like even for me, even though this is like my area of work and my area of passion mm. and focus, I still catch these moments where I catching like wow actually do I even know what my real truth is there's Mm. so much conditioning that's in the way that I don't even know is there Mm. and it's like for me it's a real practice of like peeling away the conditioning that's gone into such a deep unconscious level Mm. and it's like peeling that away to find out what's really alive in me and what's really underneath anything that I perceive as moving in me Mm. it's beautiful Mm. you're sharing that um speaking to a client recently about what is your deepest deepest desire because is it the sex or what what's behind mm-hmm. what's the longing behind the sex and mm-hmm. like we were just saying very often it isn't that we want sex at all mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something much else but it just feels like there's a strangle strangulation mm-hmm. around just being allowed to communicate yeah that that's how it feels and i'm hearing you and through speaking with other people that that ability to ask for what we really want yeah. has been made wrong. Yeah, and yeah. even just being in the unknown and mm. just exploring mm. because we're not really taught about sexuality other than what comes from the mainstream and movies and porn of like sex is this thing and da 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 onto the bed doing this rather than being taught about we can just be in this completely natural unfolding exploration not knowing where it's going to go and Mm. what's going to happen but coming to it with this like real childlike curiosity and presence it's like oh what's happening here Mm. and maybe sex won't even happen at all or maybe sex will happen Mm. but being able to just be in the beauty of being in connection and exploration because it's only in the exploration that we're going to really find what we really want and what the mm. truth is because I think a lot of us don't even realise the vast expanse of what's possible no. it's quite blinkered in what we've been shown as a reality of what's possible so we, we haven't even tapped into and seen any examples it's hard for us to really connect with what we might really be wanting mm. it's a real sadness for this we can actually mm-hmm. feel and see that we are hungry for touch and connection and intimacy, but as you say, it's all just been defined to one Mm -hmm. kind of relationship, which must, would you say, adds adds, um, pressure 
mm-hmm. to that one kind of relationship for sure. if they're going to fulfil all our yeah. touch and connection and intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing that jumps into my mind then is, because um, I work a lot with couples, mm. and a really, really common pattern I see over and over again is where women are not wanting to have sex and men are wanting to have sex. And this belief that men think women are withholding sex. Mm. And um, and I've even heard it from women, like this thing mm. of like, yeah, women withhold sex. And I'm like, wow, this, like for it's me, this power. is not the it's truth. The power trip. <laughs> but for me, that's not the truth of what's really going on. Mm. It's like if a woman's withholding sex, one, either she's in fear, contraction. If there's charge between the two of them that um, there's like conflict. If she, she's not going to be able to soften and open from that place. It's not yeah. going to be coming from a, well, I'm not going to give you sex because you want sex. It's, well, if she's in that place, she's not in a place to be able to open yeah. to being sexual. And then there's also this part around if she's craving to be met on a really soft level and there's a fear in her of her partner wanting to get sexual if she was to instigate contact so a lot of women withhold contact mm. from a place of being scared that it's going to have to get really sexual. Mm. So if they ask for a cuddle or kiss and that's all they want, yeah. then their partner's going to assume that means rumpy-pumpy. Yeah, mm. and, or even not just the assumption, but then it might ignite his sexual Child. desire and then he's yes. going to want to have sex. Mm. And then the discomfort of not her not wanting to but him wanting to Mm. and just the awkwardness and tension that can create and the charge of him then feeling disappointed there's so many parts (laughs) many parts in there and we're not taught how to relate and we're not taught in society and in school or even through the media how to really consciously share and talk to each other Mm. so so it can be so easy in that kind of situation if they've got the communication skills to be able to share what's really alive for them and then for Mm. both of their needs to be met rather than being in a place of fear and contraction, projection, Mm. uh, already deciding what it is that he wants, already deciding what she wants and then being in this stuck place of responding to their own response to what they've projected onto the other person rather than the real reality of what's moving there. Mm. Kind of totally gone off. No, it's all it's all it's all the same thing. Mm. It's all about what we believe something to be that is actually preventing from something quite simple and pure to be present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adding a lot of stuff to it, really. Mm. Um, So, what would you recommend? How could we begin to know this for ourselves? know this in general or speaking to that particular yeah, no, just um, uh, like how do we come home to our hmm. innocence what mm-hmm. what tips would you offer hmm. wow hmm. well I think I spoke to it a little bit last night in the talk and it's just that really realizing that we all are innocent like whatever's happened to us in the past like our innocence is there it's not something we have to go and try and find from somewhere else or fix ourselves it's like to really know that whatever has happened in our lives whatever's been done to us or that we've witnessed we're still all fully innocent like we all have a part of us that's still untouched and in its purity and just simple pieces of softening into connecting with that part of ourselves, giving space to that part, 
like often work with parts and if our focus is on the part that doesn't feel innocent then it can kind of take up all of the space and not give any voice and space and room for the more innocent parts so just starting to breathe into creating space to discover that part of ourselves and how we relate in the world just presently consciously bringing a childlike curiosity and giving ourselves permission to start exploring life in a different way. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like, ah, oh, today as I walk down the street, I'm going to be a little bit more present to softening my body, breathing into my body, allowing it to move in a different way as I walk down the street, um, allowing myself to uh, drop in and linger in connection with someone while I'm speaking with them mm-hmm. and just being curious. And maybe coming into physical contact with your partner and tracking and noticing where you might be on a trajectory of how you normally relate and just giving yourself permission to start exploring differently. Maybe just taking time to play with your hands, just touching and stroking and allowing your fingers and your hands to dance together. Difficult question to answer that one. I know. Just, just opening, giving yourself permission to soften and open to a new way of exploring. I think in this moment that's what jumps to my head. Mm. There's so, probably so many different answers I could give, but in this moment. Yeah, I think it's just about mm-hmm. really offering something simplistic so that people know where to begin I mm-hmm. suppose because you yeah. just said it's quite a vast subject mm-hmm. but there's a, always a always a beginning and actually it's all very simple yeah so how like communication would seem to be a very big thing that shouts out from what we've just shared mm-hmm. so someone finds that really hard to ask mm-hmm. for what they need or how would you what would you mm-hmm. suggest Oh, finding it hard. Um, oh, I can't think how to answer that one. I think it's a tricky one when we've got when we're stuck into certain rhythms and ways of communicating. It's just taking a leap, taking a risk to mm-hmm. be like, okay, from now on, I'm going to really do my best to it's speak, just like speak it. Muscle, yeah. So the more we use our ask muscle. Mm-hmm. And just bringing awareness to those moments where it's like, oh, I want to ask something or say something and not saying it through fear and just starting to first just starting to notice those moments rather than just letting them run the show, noticing those moments. And then Mm. once you notice them, then you can start to go, okay, or Mm. even though I'm feeling really scared and contracted, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to take that risk Mm. that most probably isn't as big a risk as it might feel in the moment. Because I think so often, um, this is me just making a, an assumption about what might be being asked, but it's like people people love to know what someone really wants. It's like if we know what they're really wanting, then it's easier for us to show up to them, show up yeah. for them and give them what they're actually wanting. Whereas if it's not spoken, then we're kind of moving around blind as well. So quite often, generally, people really love to know what someone's really wanting and what's really going on for them. Mm-hmm. It's that um, old English thing, not to ask, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not polite to ask for what we want. Yeah, yeah. So that was really um, that felt really powerful. What you were just saying, just to notice when we want to ask and the resistance to the asking. Yeah, and yeah, moving beyond it because maybe our 
how we feel that may be received may not mm -hmm. be how it is actually going to be received. Mm -hmm. Like you just said, someone may feel very relieved that they're being asked for something because it gives them some guidance, some direction as to what mm -hmm. we really want. Yeah. yeah. And just thinking in terms of like, you know, quite often in couples where someone's asking for something and it can be met with resistance mm. like there's it's a big piece around communication like often people are like oh you never hug me and I really want a hug it's very different to hey I'm feeling really vulnerable right now are you up for um having a little cuddle for a bit it's, mm -hmm. it's like watching where so where you've just said it the first one was making someone wrong you never hug me mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> whereas the other one was actually being more direct I would like yeah a hug yeah because I'm feeling yeah. yeah yeah and just sharing the truth of what's alive rather mm. than focusing on how it's always absent mm. being able to share like right now I'm feeling dot 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 and I would really love dot 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 mm. yeah mm. you saying that we just noticing that we do tend to do that in our relationships, just point out what the person's doing wrong, then mm -hmm. offering a space for them, not to get it right, but to offer us something yeah. different. Yeah, and when we share our vulnerability, mm. people's hearts really open mm -hmm. and can receive us so much more easily. Mm. So it's like it, it can feel like a much bigger risk because we're actually having to expose what's moving for us. And so generally people like to avoid the speaking the vulnerable bit and do more of a telling mm -hmm. but so yeah another piece for me would be really around that like giving yourself permission to show the vulnerability of what's really alive in you mm -hmm. mm. and would you suggest that um people look around maybe their beliefs around touch um you know where the resistance may be in that touch cannot be with any other person mm -hmm. other than their partner yeah. or that touch has to mean sex yeah, yeah. totally so um you know someone was saying last night about just how even hugging someone of their own sex mm -hmm. felt awkward mm -hmm. so yeah. maybe it's like bringing yeah, in realizing where does that really where come do we from? hold Is ourselves really back mine? even from our friends yeah yeah totally yeah Mm. I think I'm a very very squishy cuddly kind of a person mm. and I find that all of my friends are very squishy and cuddly with me and it's only when I see them relating to others that I get to see where they're maybe not such a squishy cuddly person and there can be like quite a lot of rigidity and it always blows me away because I experience everyone as being really squishy and cuddly mm. <laughs> um, and I had a point where I was in a relationship with someone who um, I had a lot of jealousy and I started to contract and stop being so squishy and cuddly with other people and it took me a long time even after we separated for me to realize how suddenly oh there was all these other pieces in there that was impacting the way I was relating to other people that I didn't even realize were were there that I wasn't as squishy and cuddly with people and I could feel this tension in me mm. when people were maybe squishy and cuddly that in the past would have been such a beautiful space for me it's like catching where just little comments from people go in and find their way into our system and start governing the way we relate to the world well, it brings something it's, it, that it's wrong or that it's mm -hmm. awkward 
Whereas it's so natural with mm. animals, we're just like snuggly puppies. It's <laughs> <laughs> my belief system anyway. Yeah. And just, yeah, the beauty of when we can actually start relating to the world in that way. It's almost like by having that contraction, it puts this projection that contact is this sexual thing. And mm. then it builds up this pressure. Whereas if we can start to drop that and realise that it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. And... Um, I was just like thinking of people that I've spoken to where they're so scared of being in contact and connection and touchy-feely with people because they're like particularly with men they're really scared of getting aroused and having an erection mm. and what I've seen is generally the more pressure there is for containing that then if there is that little bit of contact then it does have that impact mm. whereas when it becomes a much more normal state and you're having contact a lot and it becomes the norm, then it doesn't have that same impact. Like it becomes a lot, um, like almost like desexualized. I want to say almost yeah. like that sexual sexuality can still arise, but there isn't that pressure and contraction, and it's it's no longer that focus of touch means sexuality. Yeah. So then you can start to enjoy it. It's just allowed as a much to be what it's way. what it ever it wants to be, mm-hmm. rather than already being confined to. Yeah. It's just. Um, reflecting what what you were saying and that just the, the fear mongering around touch and intimacy and how it's even leaking into our relationships with children one of the ladies yesterday said you know about her daughter just coming and kissing her on the lips and kissing her on the cheek and French children doing that with her and how the children don't think anything of that and mm-hmm. yet straight away we as an adult may be thinking should I? <laughs> mm. Because, yeah, you know, the, inno- the innocence I feel you're mm. describing is just the way the children are approaching everything. And of course, there yeah. needs to be boundaries and disconcernment and, you know, uh, a level of safety. Mm-hmm. There has got to be safety. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's gone, it almost feels like it's gone extreme. Yeah. To actual extreme where something so good has become so bad. Yeah. So bad. Totally. Mm. Yeah, and I, I really believe that if there was more contact, more touch and more connection in the world... Then the it wouldn't whole, go bad. It wouldn't go bad. No. Yeah, it's like often I hear this piece of like, yeah, but if, if we were okay with other with our partners being all touchy-feely with others, then they'd probably be going off with people. It's like, mm. oh, wow, I so believe the opposite. Like, I yeah. know that the more I'm touchy-feely and in contact with other people, the more I'm nourished and then I don't need to be going somewhere else. I don't no, need to be leaving hungry. my partner. Oh, my God, I'm on a hunt for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I really see that the more pressure and contraction in an absence of natural, intimate, touchy connection with others, mm. that that actually is what pushes people to then, if they're totally, solely dependent on their partner for all connection, intimacy and touch, mm. they're more likely to then um, oh, need more. what you're more. saying, like their seeking would become from a place of tension. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also yeah. fascinating. Thank you. Mm. Is there anything you feel you'd like to add to anyone that's listening? Ooh. <laughs> Go out and snuggle the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful way. Mm. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you for having me. Write and talk Write sex. And talk the sex, sex. Education, sex education we never had at school. Never had at school.
You're listening to Brighton Talk Sex. Sponsored by She Said Boutique, bringing to you the finest selection of designer lingerie, burlesque fashion, adult toys, and erotica. <laughs> 